What's going on everybody? It is your boy Moody here and welcome to another episode of Moody's Point. Dawson had a creek, Moody had a point. It's 3.37 a.m. in the morning. Um, it's a cold one. It's a very, very cold one out right now. Out here in the Midwest, it is technically it's zero degrees. I don't know why my weather app says negative zero. Because I don't think it's no. I don't think a number could be negative zero. It could be negative two, negative one, but zero can never be negative. So um, I need my weather app to get together and learn how to learn how to um, you know deal with numbers because zero is there's no such thing as a negative zero. But either that's neither here or there. Basically, stay warm. It's cold as shit outside. It's the snow is still like up to your shin. At least in Indiana, it's up to your shin. Or kneecaps, you feel me? I almost fell and broke my ankle in the snow. Don't ask me how I broke my ankle in the snow as my as I was on my way to work today. But I, you know, I had to, I had to, you know, high knees my way through the snow because you know the sidewalks are completely filled with heavy inches of snow, at least five or six give or take. So that 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 was a struggle. Um, but other than that, you know, just. I'm just, you know, you got to keep trucking on. It's, it is the middle of February, which is probably the worst time of winter. So only a few more weeks, and it will probably be seeing consistent 30, 40 degree weather, and we'll hit spring soon. So it's no worry. It'll be cool. But today, on tonight's, well, on this episode of Moody's Point, I should say, I'm going to talk about two things. Um, number one. I well, is if you really, really, really know who Moody is, you know that I'm a huge NASCAR fan. Now NASCAR, it hasn't been the same over the past what, ten years I should say. It's 2021, so like maybe like from 2008, all the way up to like 2018, I say is when you see NASCAR going to a different, different era. So. So for a casual net for for a NASCAR for a person who's not really really big on NASCAR, but they know about the stars, you know like Tony Stewart, Jeff Gordon, Jimmy Johnson. Um, unfortunately, I don't want to burst you guys' bubble, but that era has officially come to an end because Jimmy Johnson retired last year. So honestly, the only people you would know out of that whole group of legendary superstars. It's Kevin Harvick. He's still doing his thing, and he he's not that far away from retirement either. So, but basically, I say that because Daytona 500 uh, was this past Sunday, which is the Super Bowl of NASCAR. And I'm gonna go. I'll basically recap what happened in the race. You know, share some of my thoughts on the winner and how the race played out. And then, also, what I meant to... Okay, so I did episode 8 of Moody's Point a while back, which was very well received. If you haven't listened to it, go on the Ways World podcast on all the streaming spots, on all the streaming sites, Spotify, Pandora, Apple Podcasts, uh, Anchor FM, go back and listen to it. I basically shared five artists that gets me through the day. But to be honest, it's a lot of artists out here that actually gets me to the day. I can only name them five because I play them regularly. 
But I'm kind of shitty because this group that I left out the top five could easily be in my top five. It should have been in the top five. I should have mentioned them in the episode eight of Moody's Point. So fuck it. I'm going to just shed the spotlight on them specifically for this episode. So I'm going to tell you a group that I, or a band that I listen to. I used to listen to. I kind of still do. That, that really, I really, really fuck with. I really, really fuck with on the low that I didn't even know about it, you know what I'm saying? Like, their songs, there's a song and an album specifically that really, really, really touches my soul. So I'm going to share some of them, their music and how they, you know, help me, you know, get through the day as well. So I'm going to talk about them and I'm going to talk about the fallout of the Daytona 500. So stay tuned. All right, we are back. On the Moody's Point episode, this is episode number two. I want to say twelve, right? Yeah, episode twelve. We're gonna kick it off with the recap of the Daytona 500 that happened this past Sunday. So you know, November is when we uh, crowned a new NASCAR champion, and he goes by the name of Mr. Chase Elliott, who is your 2020. NASCAR Sprint, NASCAR Monster Energy. It's Monster Energy now. The NASCAR Monster Energy Cup Series. And now your reigning, defending NASCAR champion comes into Daytona 2021 after like three, four months of, I guess, their tip, their version of the off season in NASCAR, where they just go back to the lab, uh, get ready with their. I guess they're the teens making new cars and getting prepared for February, you feel me? So February has arrived. Everybody's in a whole new mindset for the new NASCAR season. It's obvious it's definitely gonna be different because you know, all your beloved drivers that you knew outside of NASCAR, like you go like a grocery store, you see like a 48 hat or a number 20 hat or a 24 hat, you automatically knew that was Jimmy Johnson, you knew that was Jeff Gordon, you knew that was Tony Stewart, hell, the number 8 hat, the number 88, you knew that was Dale Jr., shit, Kanan, Casey Kane, like, you know, we don't have Junior, no, we don't have Dale Jr. no more, we don't have Jeff Gordon, Tony Stewart, Casey Kane, Jimmy Johnson, uh, Matt Kenz, if he's not here, Greg Biffle. Like, all our drivers that we knew, Mark Martin, they all are retired. So, we're just in a new era of NASCAR. Now, don't get me wrong. We still got, like, Kevin Harvick and Kurt Busch. Still the OGs of the last last breed of NASCAR drivers of the past decade. They still keep doing it. And Kevin Harvick is at the point now where, like, you know, he's he's a NASCAR champion now. He's still winning races. Still winning a lot of races at his age. Now, he won, like, what, at least seven or eight races, I should say, last year? With him, Denny Hamlin, battling back and forth. And come to find out, none of those two won. It all came down to Case Elliott won, which was really, really surprising. But, yeah, they're still doing their thing, you know what I'm saying? It's just now we got all these young guns in the game now who are going to be the next best thing come, next, well, come next 10 years, you know? It's just time moves on. Time goes by fast, and then everybody, they come in the game, they leave their mark as legends, or they leave their mark or however they want to leave their mark, and they just leave. And we get we bring in new up and coming legends, and that's where we are now. 
I mean, we got good up-and-coming stars like what Ryan Blaney's pretty good coming up. Uh, Austin Dillon's pretty cool. Who else is up-and-coming? Yeah, Alex Bowman, who sat on the pole, actually, for Daytona 500. You know what I'm saying? He did his thing. You know, Will Byron, the, like the whole Hendrick Motorsports um, race team got to overhaul new people. They, they, Everybody's new. You know, Kyle Larson came back after his situation. He's back now with Hendrick. Like, every, we got all these new guys we don't know, but they're going to make a name for themselves. So basically, with this year's Daytona, you know, it always starts off with the Bush Clash. Basically consisting of all your past winners from last year, I want to say. If I'm not mistaken, I guess the Bush Class. Let me check. Let me make sure I get a fact check on this. I'm like, I want to say 80% sure that's what consists of the drivers in the Bush Class. All the drivers who won in 2020. Uh, Let me check real quick. Okay, let me check. Basi- okay, so I lied. It's basically who sat on the pole of 2020. So all your pole winners who sat and qualified first of last year gets to be in the Bush class. And I just know it came down to Ryan Blaney and Chase Elliott battling for the win. They both crashed, and Kyle Busch just drove on for the W. So Kyle Busch basically kicked off the Daytona week with a W at the Busch class. And then you have your qualifying, where Alex Bowman sat on the pole alongside his teammate, Will Byron. So you got Alex Bowman, the classic 48 car, and you got Will Byron, the classic 24 car. Those two legendary cars sitting on the front row. Of the Daytona 500. I mean, that brings back Nostalgia and to people in my age who, like, you know, were really, really known, really, really knew Jeff, um, Jeff Gordon and Jimmy Johnson. So that kind of helped. That kind of made us, that kind of cracked the smell. Okay. And then you have the gate. Well, I don't, they're not called Gatorade duels no more, but just the dual races where the drivers basically race to fin, uh, how are they finish and moves them up. Uh, lineup wise in the actual day front of 500 which those two races of the duels were won by Eric Almarola and Austin Dillon so fast forward the race actually starts on yeah the race 2021 NASCAR race um, you know it started off alright of course when you think of NASCAR and you think of Daytona and all of these tracks you think of two things. You think of cars going around 200 miles an hour, literally close to each other, and you think of the big time wrecks. And I mean, off the back, you had a big time wreck of, I want to say, 20 cars, where uh, Eric Almarola got turned into Alex Bowman and collected like at least like 18 other cars or 19 other cars. You know what I'm saying? That was on lap 14. So you got you got to, so just imagine you're starting at Daytona 500 and 14 laps in, 
of a 200-lot race is a wreck, a big, big wreck already of 21 cars. And, like, Almirola and Alex Bowman were literally at the top. Well, they were literally in the front when this wreck happened, so. And Daytona and even Talladega, super speedway tracks, they're not kind to anybody because you can be in the front enjoying the lead and you'll still be taken out. It just... Like I said, they call it the big one, which consists of a a big, big wreck of multiple cars. And it can happen from any parts of the pack. Because super drafting, well, not super drafting, but drafting in super speedways, they all, it is pretty, it is pretty thrilling. You know what I'm saying? You hope, I feel like, I don't know, I don't know how it is driving behind the wheel of a NASCAR stock car. But I can only imagine being a NASCAR driver, driving 200 miles an hour, basically pushing a car all the way down this front stretch, back stretch, in the in the turns. You feel me at what 200 plus miles an hour? It's pretty exhilarating, if you ask me. So I can only imagine. All I know is lap 14, 21 cars got into a big wreck, and boom. And then the red flag came out because it was raining at least all day. I want to say the day before, or it was raining pretty much, pretty good in Daytona. And I think the red flag lasted maybe like, what, two hours, three hours. But the good thing about the Daytona um, track, they have lights. So if the race was red flag, maybe like around four, three, and they can work all the time they want to dry the track, make sure the track is very, very dry, and... Eat and well, you know, ready for drivers to drive around without no problems, and that's what happened. So the race came back on. Uh, Denny Hamlin, who I mentioned earlier, I believe I did, he led the most laps with 98 laps led out of a 200 lap Daytona final race. And now NASCAR has a format in the races where they go off a stage. So it's three stages in each race. The first stage, the second stage, and the third stage. And Denny Hamlin won both two stages, the first and the second stage. You know, there's more wrecks after that big one from here to there. But I think when it came down to the end is where everybody was like, who? What? Did we really expect this guy? Um, his name was Michael McDowell. Michael McDowell, I know Michael McDowell because when I first heard about Michael McDowell, um, if you go on YouTube, type in Michael McDowell, Texas wreck, and you'll see that's how he really got known in NASCAR. It's kind of messed up how he got known that way because he was qualifying for a race at Texas and his car just lost control and it flipped a lot of times. And his car was completely total, but he somehow walked out, walked out of that wreck. And that was what, shit, well over 10 years ago, I want to say. And fast forward now, he messing around and wins the whole race. Yes, your 2021 Daytona 500 winner was no other than probably one of the most, um, I want to say one of the most surprising because back in 2011, Trevor Bain won, and nobody expected him to win. That was a big surprise. But nobody really expected Michael McDowell to win. 
Like, if you go and place your bets on whoever wins or who has the best odds to win, the parlays and all that, I'm pretty sure none of those bettors uh, put money on Michael McDowell win. Of all fellas, I would have put my money on Denny Hamlin because he's been the favorite. He's won the last two Daytona 500 races until now, you know. They, I would have put my money on him, Harvick. I always put my money on Kyle Busch because he's always going to be fast. It's just he always get caught up in the wreck. But I definitely would have put my money on Denny Hamlin. And Denny Hamlin ended up finishing fifth. But at the last, it was at the end of the race where you had Joey Logano leading. And his teammate Brad Keselowski was bumping him. And they were setting up a last, uh, probably another classic lap last. Lap Another classic last lap pass, I should say. Sorry, I can't talk. There's been a lot of last lap passes in the Daytona 500 over past years, which made for exciting finishes, you know? And it made for some very dangerous finishes. Like last year, Ryan Newman damn near lost his life in the last lap where his car was completely shredded. The super speedways are not kind when it comes to these crashes. Like, just take a look at what happened to Dale Earnhardt in 2001. You know? We lost one of the most beloved legends in NASCAR. And, well, only NASCAR, but sports in Daytona. You know what I'm saying? So, some of these crashes at these super speedways are not kind to people. NASCAR is a dangerous sport. Yeah, you can drive 200 miles an hour, but as soon as you crash, especially head-on, well, the cars now are very safe, but still... You just never know. Long story short, they wreck coming to the on the white flag. So once you wreck on the white when the white flag drops and you wreck and the wreck is pretty bad, the races are automatically over. The white flag came out, the caution came out towards the end, the race was stopped, and Michael McDowell happened to be in the right place at the right time. And he won the race and he's your twenty twenty one NASCAR NASCAR Daytona Fighter champion. Which, honestly, this is the first win that he's ever had in NASCAR. And another fun fact about this race. 2001, I want to say, Michael Waltrip won his first ever race. First ever, yeah, race in the Cup. Well, I think back then it was the, either the Winston Cup Series. He won his first ever race at Daytona 500. Fast forward to 2011, Trevor Bain won his first race in the NASCAR I want to say it was called the Sprint Cup Series, won his first ever race. And then fast forward 10 years later to 2021, where Michael McDowell won his first ever race in the Daytona 500. So I feel like every 10 years, we get a new um, first-time winner at the Daytona 500. So if the odds and the trends are, you know, pretty, pretty high. I would say in 2031, 2031 Daytona 500 will consist of another first-time winner. That's just basically how it goes. And the good thing about this year in NASCAR, they changed up their schedules. So next week, they're going to stay in Daytona, but the Daytona track has this little road course that they've been fooling around with. They ran it at the Bush, they actually ran the Bush Clash and the Daytona sort of road course that they have where Kyle Busch won. So that's where the next race is going to be. But like I said, like all of this was definitely not a thing 
when I was watching it, and I started watching NASCAR like 2007. I remember the first race I ever watched is when it's when Dale Jr. still running. Dale Jr. was still running the eight car. Tony Stewart was still in the 20 Home Depot car. Kevin Harvick was still in the 29 car, but the, the paint scheme changed. Martin Martin was in a different car. He still had, you know, Jimmy Johnson, Jeff Gordon, Casey Kane, all these drivers that everybody, not only just in the NASCAR community, but like overall outside the NASCAR community, NASCAR community knew. You feel me? Like they had the merchandise from the diecast cars to the NASCAR jackets, which ironically by the way right now you probably can't see me i do have my i went when i was in florida i went to the daytona track you know i toured the daytona track and went i couldn't get in the track but i went you know where the concession was and where all the other cool stuff they have in the in the daytona track so and i happened to come home with a daytona coffee mug so i have my daytona coffee mug on me right now with my little nice little drink in there which i'm not gonna tell you what's in there but just know it's uh it's getting your boy right you got your boy right right now and what better way to re you know recap the first race of the year which is the super bowl of nascar like i always say in the daytona 500 than having my nascar iconic nascar jacket that i always wear it's my it's, i want to say it's iconic because it's very well popular everywhere i walk Everywhere I go, I get a lot of compliments. And I found out, I went to the mall the other day, and I found out they have like six or seven other NASCAR jackets in there. I think it's called a locker room or some shit like that. So, your boy, definitely go cop one. I do want to cop the Bubba Wallace uh, jacket he has. It's the Black Lives Matter jacket where it has the white hand and the black hand, and they shaking hands together. It's in unity. I thought that was pretty cool. You feel me? This was before he changed teams. And, and well, what's kind of messed up and funny is, like, of all the recaps and all the talk I've been doing about NASCAR, I cannot, I don't understand how I did not even mention Bubba Wallace. Because Bubba Wallace plays a big pack. He has a big impact of what is going on in NASCAR today. Now, back then, you know what I'm saying, NASCAR was just, NASCAR was predominantly white. It's, it's it's still kind of predominantly all white. You get spurs of you get you get a few blacks in NASCAR here and there. Most of them are like you know crew members of different teams. But the fact that we have our I think before Bubba Wallace though we had a NASCAR driver who was black and who was African American, but he wasn't really well known. But Bubba Wallace actually he's made a name for himself in NASCAR, whether it's outside on the track or on the track, you know. Shit, the first race he had in the Daytona 500, I think he finished like third or fifth. And this Daytona 500 that just passed, he was the first African-American driver to actually lead a lap in the Daytona 500. So Bubba Wall is making noise, you know what I'm saying? He, he's he's changing the game. And if everybody, if not, if, if any, I don't know if everybody is familiar with the story, but if you, I'm pretty sure you guys are. Uh, the big story last year in the NASCAR community is when they found a noose inside of Bubba Wallace's, um, I think it's his little camp where he has his cars and everything, his team. They found a noose in his team. Um, well, I think it's the hauler, his little hauler. And that, you know, that 
raised the eyebrows of everybody in the NASCAR community. And then the next day, or the next race we had, which was, I think, at Talladega, everybody showed their support. All the cars lined up, all the drivers lined up behind us. Bubba Wallace takes a walk down the pit road. He um, snaps one of the biggest selfies of 2020. Him behind all the other other drivers in the cars. It's a symbolize. It's a symbolism of you know. It's a brotherhood. You feel me? No matter what race you are, he's still a human being. You know what I'm saying? He's a, he's a driver whose whose goal is to go out there and win races just like everybody else. And that news situation that happened should never fucking happen and I think that's what I think that's the big thing that I kind of I don't I want to say it's hard to put this in words but I think that's what woke up this different change in NASCAR now you know what I'm saying I think it's shift the uh, different audience we have now we have more diverse you know drivers coming into the sport of NASCAR uh Hagen I think Haley Deegan, I think that's her name. Uh, the she's a female driver in NASCAR. Well, we had you know Danica Patrick, obviously. You know what I'm saying, but we got now Haley Deegan, who is I want to yeah, that's her name. Haley Deegan, she's now running truck races full time. So we got all these you know diverse you know drivers coming into the sport. It used to be predominantly all white. And like we got Hispanics like Daniel Suarez, Juan Pablo Montoya came before, you know what I'm saying? So the sport is drastically changing. We have drivers that we used to know outside of the sport retired and gone. And now we got all these different different nationalities and you know, different young drivers in the sport. I think that's what makes I think that's a good thing for the sport NASCAR. Now NASCAR is changing up you know their reputation of being just this. Oh, we're just this. I don't. I want to. I don't want to call it like. I don't want to call it um, like redneckish. But at the time, I, it was. I want to. Well, I don't want to say redneckish, but it was kind of like, you know. It it just it was like I just the audience. Of NASCAR back in the day just strictly was just what a predominantly all white audience maybe like maybe five percent african-americans that's and that's only probably because the families of certain crew members because that was the only blacks we had in NASCAR at the time were the crew members like the actually people working on the cars now you got Bubba in the sport and you got all these other nationalities now in order for us to get more of a african-american audience in it's gonna take a minute, but I don't know. I just like the fact that, like I said, it's more diverse now, and I think more change is what we need in NASCAR to make it. I don't know. I don't know. It's kind of hard to explain, but the fact of the matter is, Michael McDowell was um, your two your 2021 NASCAR Daytona 500 winner. I'm happy that he won, you know what I'm saying? Like I said, it's a name that nobody expected to win. I kind of do hope we have more first-time winners this year. We had a lot of, I don't, I think we had a lot of first-time winners last year. Yeah, we did have a few first-time winners. Cole Custer, he was a first-time winner last year. 
Shit, Alex Bowman, he was a first-time winner as well. And Will Byron. So, I think Alex Bowman won. I don't know. He might have won. But I know Will Byron was a first-time winner. So, like I said, more first-time winners would be nice for the sport. Um, If I had to choose who I think will win the championship this year, it's kind of too close. It's kind of hard to tell around. Hard to tell. I mean, hard, hard to call. I should say. Sorry, I can't talk for some reason. Maybe because it's 4.37 a.m. in the morning. But it don't matter. But it's hard to call. I mean, Chase Elliott, he he started off the year strong with a second, with a runner-up finish. And they tell him, fine, you're, you're defending champion. So he, he's going to be tough to beat this year. Denny Hamlin and Kevin Harvick, off of what they did last year. And shit, Denny Hamlin, he started off with a top five this year. He's going to probably be another threat. You feel me? Um, well, like I was talking about Bubba Wallace earlier, Bubba Wallace got a new team now. He's sponsored by Jordan. Jordan um, and Denny Hamlin have a partnership where they have their own race team, and they sponsored. Uh, they got sponsorships, and Bubba Wallace is driving for him now. So he's driving the number twenty-three, like he drove a DoorDash twenty-three DoorDash car in Daytona. And Bubba Wallace was on the Richard Petty. Motorsports last year, driving for Richard Petty in the 43 car. And he was making, he, you know, you can see improvement. He, you know, every once in a while, he would run in the top 10 here and there. But I think with this new team, I think this is where he elevates his game. Now, I don't, like, he can, I don't know if he'll win right off the back in this team. But I can see him being competitive to the point where I can see him slip into the, I think it's 16 spots for you to make the the NASCAR's version of the playoffs or a chase. I don't know if they call it chase no more. But you, you just need 16 spots. Just get one of those 16 spots and you can get in. If you win, you automatically in. If you don't win, you just got to race off of points. So it just consistent top fives and top ten finishes. And I can see him getting top five, top ten consistent finishes. He got more equipment now. Just a matter of him putting all that together. So I can kind of see, I, I think he can get into the chase or the playoffs this year. I don't think he's going to win, but I can see him like at least around the 12th to 14th, 15th type of spot. You feel me? So I look forward for him to make the next big leap with his new team. I also expect Kyle Busch to come back from the dead because he had one of his down years last year. He only won one race, and that race was like, Towards the end of the year when he was already out of the... I don't even think he made the... No, he made it. I don't... Wait, did he make it? I want to say he did. He just didn't do anything. Like I said, it took him forever to win. He didn't really win no races. He crashed in a lot of races. But like I said, Corona kind of messed everything up because they took a break for a while. When it came back, it just... He was just out the rhythm. And I don't think they got a chance to practice this year. I don't think they got a chance to practice this... Well, he didn't, they didn't get a chance to practice last year. I don't think they got a chance to practice this year either because of Corona and everything. And the scheduling is just bad. But when Kyle Busch is just too damn good of a driver to have two consecutive bad years, you know. I do expect him to win like maybe like three or four races this year. But if I had to choose a champion, just prediction-wise, um, I like Chase Elliott. He's going to be in the top well, five, because it's four. People race the top four. You need four spots. 
And then the last race of the season, it comes down to four spots, four, four drivers to race for one championship. So I think Chase Elliott's going to be in there, Denny Hamlin's going to be in there. Uh, I want to say Kevin Harvick, but um, well, based off of his, I, I can't even put Kevin Harvick in there. So I think Elliott, Hamlin, Harvick, and a fourth person. Uh, hmm. Because I mean, Barry Keselowski and Joey Logano, those Penske drivers are tough. They are tough to beat. They are really, really tough to beat when they're on their game. And they be on their game a lot. And they're so aggressive. Like, they they can aggressively drive their way into a championship. I know they can. So I'm going to definitely choose one of them, too. I probably would have to choose... Probably have to choose Joy Logano. Because Joy Logano will be having more consistent finishes than Brad. Cause Brad K, he, he'll crash more than Joy Logano do. Joey Logano gives you them top five, top ten. So I'm going to say Logano, Hamlin, Elliott, and Harvick. And I think this is probably the year that Hamlin finally gets that championship. Because he's been knocking on the door a lot for the last couple of years. He's been close, but he just hasn't been close enough. And I think he finally gets the... Finally, finally gets where he needs to get to actually finally win one of these championships. So I'm going to say him. I'm going to say Mike, uh, Denny Hamlin. So, yeah. But nevertheless, uh, yeah, Michael McDowell, first-time winner in the Daytona 500. First-time winner ever in the NASCAR Cup Series. Oh, well, yeah, Cup Series. And what better way to get your first win in the first race of the year, which is NASCAR Super Bowl, the Daytona 500. So his car is going to be, you know, he's in the history books, got a big-ass trophy and everything. But... Michael McDowell is not really one of them drivers who could put up consistent finishes. And his his race team is not like a Hendrick Motorsports and a and a Joe Gibbs racing and a Stuart Haas racing. They're not that strong. So I mean he'll get in the chase because once you win you're automatically in the playoffs. But as far as him being competitive, eh, unless a miracle happens. And miracles do happen in sports, but I think I mean, this might probably be the last time you hear him being competitive, at least. But a feel-good story like this, compared ten years ago to when Trevor Bain, that was one of that was a good feel-good story too. So a feel-good story like this to start the year off is just what we need in tough times like this. So congratulations to you, Michael McDowell. I'm happy that you got your first win, the Daytona 500. Celebrate that win, man, because nobody can take that away from you. You can celebrate that win as long as you want, bro. You're a Daytona 500 winner. So my hat's off to you, sir. My hat's off to you. All right. So when I come back, I'm going to hit one of the spotlights of... Actually, like I said earlier in the intro, um, I did an episode where I talked about five artists that, you know... I listen to on a daily that touches the heart, makes me, makes my day go by better, makes my day goes better. I only have five artists, and there's one artist, one band that I just, I listened to today while I was at work, and I thought to myself, damn, I, how the fuck did I leave them out in my episode? I didn't. So I'm gonna just, this episode is gonna be highlighting on them, so I'm gonna talk to you guys about this band when we come back. Stay
stay tuned. All right, we are back. Um, so, funny story. I've been trying to record this third segment. Well, this segment for like third time. My, my dumbass keep forgetting that every time I go on Spotify, it kicks me out of my recording. So, it's cool. I figured it out. Because I was, I, was, I was talking my shit. When I have bands and songs that I'm passionate about, I talk my shit, you know what I'm saying? It comes from the heart. And I was I was I was I was telling you guys some some knowledge I was spending some knowledge about this band cuz this band actually is probably one of my second favorite bands behind Tame Impala. Okay, you got Tame Impala. This band I'm about to tell you guys, you got Arden Monkeys, Linkin Park. I do like Linkin Park a lot. I I like them a lot. And then you got Alice in Chains. Yes, I said it. Alice in Chains. Alice in Chains, the grunge band. One of the most slept-on grunge bands, I would say. Because, I mean, you have, you know, what Nirvana. You know, they did their thing. Well, I want to say Alice in Chains is completely slept-on. Everybody's familiar with their work. You know, Lane Staley is his vocal. Got to be one of the top vocalists in the at the time. was one of the top vocalists. It's just, you know, it's just the only downfall of grunge is, like, their their lead singers just, they go through so much shit, they just want to, they just, you know, they say, fuck it, I call it quits, and they just kill themselves. That's the only downfall when it comes to shit like that. Like, Cobain, you know, he killed himself. Wayne killed himself. Chris Cornell killed himself. Shit, Chester from fucking Linkin Park, he killed himself. They all just want to say, fuck it, and just, damn, just, like, <laughs> all this nice body of work just uh I understand motherfuckers be going through shit damn bro it just it just uh, it it sucks it sucks but uh yeah basically this band I'm about to tell you guys um they they are alternative in any rock band some people call them garage garage like a garage band type of sound they have i can see it uh just picture yourself playing nascar well since i was talking about the daytona 500 you know i re i went over that uh if you ever had like an xbox or ps2 which i'm pretty sure half of you guys did just picture yourself playing like nascar thunder 2003 i'm pretty sure some of the songs that they've played you can see that song on here you know what i'm saying it's just the type of vibe it gets off when I listen to the strokes. Oh, I just, I, oh, there you go. <laughs> there you go. I just, cats out, what did Kevin Hart say? Cats out the bag, people. I just gave you the band that I'm spotlighting for tonight. The strokes. Yes. The motherfucking strokes, man. So, everybody's familiar with the strokes. Well, not everybody's familiar, but. If you're a real, if you have a big, big following and you really like alternative and indie rock, you listen to a lot of Stroke projects. It goes all the way out to 2001, and obviously I was like five or six at the time, so I didn't get a chance to listen to it out the back. But like when I hit what, when back in 2016, maybe up to 2019, I was listening to Pandora a lot. So like I listened to an alternative band, and Pandora once you you know how Pandora works. You play a song, they play other songs that relate 
So I played a band that actually relates to the Strokes. And the Strokes, you know, their their music started playing. And I started listening to Is This It. I think, Is This It? Yeah, Is This It. And honestly, I can tell you straight up, bro. One, two, three, four. Yeah. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven songs out of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Seven songs out of eleven I play a lot. For you to play and like seven songs out of eleven, and like honestly, the other songs that I didn't even bother to like add to my liking on Spotify, I probably just wasn't even paying attention to it. I guarantee you if I listen to this album, which I probably will as soon as we I end this uh, episode, I'm gonna fuck around and love this album from top to bottom. There's not a lot of albums out there. It was well, a few, but it's not a lot of albums out there where you can like from top to bottom. But goddamn, like this album here kicked it off and then what else? They go straight to well I can't get on the app because it's gonna kick me out, but Angles is a good album. Room on Fire is a... They got a lot of good discography. They do. They really, really do. And I don't know how I got... Well, like I said, Pandora kind of technically put me on to this band. So I have 10 songs when I basically... Cause, well, like I say, when I do spotlights on bands like this, what I tend to do is I go on, play, I go on Spotify. I start, you know, adding this to this and this to this. And I just randomly came up with a playlist dedicated to the Strokes called The Strokes Are Awesome. I mean, that's, that's the, out, the name of the playlist speaks for itself. They are pretty awesome. You, they, are, they are really pretty awesome, you feel me? Where do where I start, you know what I'm saying? The lead singer, what's the name, Julius Casablancas? First of all, with a last name like Casablancas, like you already know you the shit, like you just... Like you don't, you don't. Nobody can tell you shit with a last name like Casablancas. You feel me? I walk around the street. Hey, what's your name? Oh, my name is Julius Casablancas. Come on, fam. Like he does his own solo projects too. I checked out his recent solo project that dropped a couple, what? I think a couple years ago. He's pretty dope. And there's another guy in the band that has a solo project. His name is uh, I want to say Fred Hammond Jr. I think it is. Let me hold on. No, not, no. Wait, hold on. Albert. Yeah, Albert Hammond Jr. is his name. My bad. Albert Hammond Jr. And he had a album called uh, Francis Trouble that came out in 2018. See, 2016, 2018, I was really, really big into alternative and indie rock. And actually, one of my homies recommended... Uh, Albert Hammond Jr.'s album to me because he's, you know, just for the fact that he's part of the band, so I'm pretty sure you get some of that stroke vibes from their solo albums, just like Julius Casablancas. Like, you get some of the stroke collective band vibe off of their solo projects as well, which I kind of did in certain songs, you feel me? And I like a lot of Albert Hammond Jr.'s songs off of that uh, solo album he came out in 2010. But uh, basically, I just narrowed it down to 10 songs that I like. Now, spoiler alert, people, 
majority of these songs are probably gonna come off of it. Is is it? Like it dinner, just play the whole album if I wanted to, but that's not how this segment's gonna go. I already picked ten songs. I would have picked the honorable mention. You know what? Fuck it. I picked the honorable mention. This is the honorable mention. This song came off of an album that they just came out last year. Actually, it's called the New Abnormal. Now I like just went through it. I didn't really get a chance to listen to it and grasp it and say, "Oh damn, this is a good album." Because there was a lot of great albums that came out last year, and I knew the Strokes was coming out with an album. It just it just snuck up on me, and I haven't really been. I didn't really get a chance to actually sit down and enjoy it. Now I might enjoy it after this, but nine times out of ten, I'm gonna get distracted and go back to "Is This It?" Because I can listen to that bitch all day. Shit, I can listen to that shit as I go to sleep. It's like it's. You want to talk, like I said in episode 8, about songs that touch the soul? That whole album touched the soul. That's probably like one of my top 10 albums all time that I love. I got, I'm going to probably do an episode of that eventually. 10 albums that I, I personally like, in my opinion, all time, of all time. I like, you know, I'm going to do album. I'm pretty sure I'm going to do an episode like that down the line. And that's probably going to be in it. So stay tuned for that, people. But yeah, this is my honorable mention. This song came out off the new album. I think it was the lead single off the album, too. It's called At the Door by the Strokes. I'm not going to really play the whole songs because that's going to be a long. That's, this episode will be long as shit, so. Snippets. And, but like I like to do, my favorite song, I'm going to let that bitch ride all the way through. And then do my closing remarks, but this is my honorable mention at the door. The strokes. Now look, man. Now, okay, so the melody, all the way to the words, it's just like it's all it's put together perfectly. Like so, so just just picture this. Just close your eyes for a second. Just picture yourself in the car. Either you getting off work, you leaving your girlfriend's house or your boyfriend's house. However you like, how whatever you do, you know, or a job interview, or just some type of event that happened that just happened. And either you're you're shitty about it, you're confused about it, you're questioning your life or some shit like that, or you just you need answers, or you just like you confused on what the fuck's going on, well, how's life you know treating you, or how's life hitting you, or some shit like that. And I kind of feel that's how I kind of feel 
if I'm in the if I'm in the whip. Well, at the time when I did have a whip, or if I'm just out, I'm in about with my headphones in. If I play the Strokes, majority of those songs that they have, it makes me think a lot. It makes me think a lot. You know what I'm saying? It makes me think about where my life is going, and where 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 opportunities or if I go right, opportunities there. If I go left, opportunity goes there. The Strokes make me think. It makes me think. You know what I'm saying about. It makes me see the world differently, if I should, if if that makes any sense to you guys. Like some of the songs they they have are very very, very very great to vibe to. I and I'm kind of shitty. I I don't know how I miss left them out in my episode because this is one of the bands I vibe to a lot too. I do like the Strokes a lot. Like the Strokes are pretty well. There's a lot of people out there who are big big fans of the Strokes. And that's when they when they went out when they were gone for a minute and they haven't made an album in a while. I was like, damn, I knew something was kind of missing, and then they came out with the new abnormal. I just haven't been able to listen to it yet, but I'm I'm pretty sure I will. I mean, I might not like it how I like the other albums, but hey, you never know. But that was my honorable mention at the door. Now we're gonna get into my top ten songs that I like from them. I'm probably just gonna speed through them, just play snippets. But I mean, like I said, if you really want to listen to the song, I, I made a whole playlist, and they're all gonna be on there. So it's called "The Strokes Are Awesome." The name speaks for itself, like I said earlier. So this is probably top, t- well, number ten of one of my favorite songs by The Strokes. Just listen to what he says. I mean, it's, it's self-explanatory. The song is called "Call Me Back," but. Like I said, just put yourself in situations the way they sing the song and shit. Call Me Back is one of those songs where, like, I I look at it like this. I either got out of a bad relationship with my girlfriend or the girl that I was trying to, like, you know, mess with or trying to, you know, get her to, like, see how good of a guy I am. It just, for some reason, wasn't clicking. And it's like, she probably had better interests. She had probably a... She just have, you know... Probably a guy, or a better guy than probably she think I was, that she was more interested in. She just didn't know how to tell me it. So if I call her or hit her up, you know what I'm saying? I just, she doesn't call me back. So I don't know. It's just you, the song and just those certain situations that you in, it ties together. So every time I listen to Call Me Back, 
It makes me think of that one girl that I was thought I was close to having a connection with, but little did I know it was never a connection there. Called me back. I just you know I told her, hey, well, you want to talk? If some blah 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 blah, don't you know, don't be a stranger or whatnot. Just don't ghost me. Nine times ten, they ghost you. Want them to call you back, and they never never really call you back. So every time I listen to that song, I kind of. That's how I kind of feel sometimes. And I've, I've, you know, a couple years ago, I was was in that situation. I felt I was in a situation like that. I thought someone was, you know, what I thought it was. But little did I know. Nothing but miscommunication. And boom, left it like there. Learned my lesson. I still play Call Me Back a lot nowadays. Because there's a lot of other situations where I, you know, I try to talk to some of these females. And they just... I don't know, it'd just be weird. So, for it to be number 10, I mean, it, you know, I, it's it should be rightfully number 10 for, situa- for a situation like that. So, I'll leave it at there. Uh, this is going to be my number 9 song. It's called Machu Picchu. Now, I don't know if I pronounced that right, but that's the way it looks, and that's the way I'm going to say it. So, it's called Machu Picchu. Now, this song is more, it's more up-tempo. I think I li- I think I heard this song off of uh, off of MLB the show or MLB 2K when 2K was having MLB baseball games. I know I heard this off a of video game, and I was like, "Damn, this song is not that bad." And that's when I ended up finding out the name, and I downloaded it. You know how you you know you listen to songs off of video games. He said, "Oh, this shit hard." I think this is what happened pretty much. Yeah, I mean, it's a nice upbeat song. The bass, the beat, everything about it is nice up and beat. Like, I can see I can work out to it, you know what I'm saying? This is, and like, the stroke, I've never really seen the strokes as, you know, one to have upbeat type of songs like this. They're more like mellow. So this kind of surprised me. So, you know, I can, I can, I can dig it. Like toward the end, I like toward the end. I'm just gonna fast forward to the end. I think I fast forward a little bit too much there. Nope, there are done. Here it comes. So like the end, the end ends up pretty nice. It sounds kind of aggressive as the spaz. If you want to call that spaz, now, I don't know, but towards it seems like certain songs toward the end is when the song really, really, you know, elevates. And I think that's what happened with that song. The build up, up tempo. He's just you know doing this little thing. He turns up at the very end, and the song just it ends the way it ends. I don't know. That's how I felt. But that's number nine, Machu Picchu. That's that's what it looks like. Like I said, you you can look at it look at it yourself on the playlist. You might pronounce it differently. I probably did pronounce it wrong, but 
Like I said, that's what it looks like. I'm gonna go with that. Now, this next song at number eight is called Life is Simple in the Moonlight. It's off the same album as the last song I played to you called The Sh- called Angles. Yeah, it's called the album's called Angles. Got like a, it's like a little staircase or puzzle. I don't know, it's kind of a weird design. But basically, the title is called Life is Simple in the Moonlight. So, what I get out this song is I'm sitting probably by a lake, and I've seen the moonlight's reflection in the water, and it says life is simple. Is life really simple? I don't think life is really simple, unless you're a big shot, you know, millionaire or something, but just to a regular, average Joe, life isn't really simple. Life is learning. A lot of, it's a lot of learning. It's a lot of learning, so... Maybe this song kind of fits how life is really in the moonlight. But I, I picture it as me sitting by the lake, looking at the moonlight's reflection in the, in the, in the water. And then I, you know, certain songs you just, I don't, I don't know if I'm the only one to do this, but I kind of put myself in a situation that fits the the song, you know, I like to do that, it makes me enjoy the song better, but basically it's number eight. So that song was definitely different than the last song I played. It wasn't really too upbeat, but you can take it how you want it. I'm pretty mellow out when I listen to this song, especially, you know, like I said, a couple years ago when I first heard it. I was in the whip. I was on my way home from work, and I did see uh, the moon. The moon was shining pretty bright. I think it was one of my worst times at work. Cause sometimes you have good days and sometimes you have bad days at work, and that was definitely a bad day. It might have been like it was like a thousand. That's when like everything was normal, and like you know my job is no ordinary job. It's a job where if you're busy enough and a convention in town, you have like 1,100 reservations and shit hits the fan. It was one type of one of those type of nights. A guy in the car. Usually when I have one of those type of nights, I go straight to the liquor store or something. But I didn't. I just sat, had my seat. Pushed all the way back, 
think this is when I was living on the west side. I just drove straight down West Washington Street, played this song like two, three times, and the rest was history. It's a memory that I can remember. So, yeah, that was Life is Simple in the Moonlight. At number eight, I want to say. Yeah, number eight. All right. Uh, let's keep it going. I think now we're going to get into the part where these next, what, seven through maybe like three or two or nothing but songs from Is This, is this It, which rightfully should be because Is This It is a great album. Like I said, if you haven't listened to is, is if you haven't listened to Is This It by the Strokes, I highly recommend you do. I know a lot of you fans who's about to turn into this episode have never probably listened to indie rock or alternative or probably never was a big fan. Or you want something just to try something different. Can never go wrong. Like like you said, certain songs you could turn up to, certain songs you can feel sad to off of a breakup or whatnot. And certain songs you just need to vibe to after you just had a long day. You just want to mellow out. You just want to relax. You know, get some rest. Just, just you know, relax your mind. I think the Strokes have songs in there. Now, they got different type of song qualities. Like, like the last song I played was, like, pretty upbeat. But some of these songs are pretty mellow. For an indie alternative or... A garage band is what Wikipedia will tell you who the Strokes really are, which I can see it. Like I said, I can see it, but let's get into it. This would be number seven. It's called Someday. Actually, it's funny because as I'm playing the song, which I'm on Spotify right now, it tells you... It shows the behind the lyrics of how the song came, you know, to light. Yeah, like I said, I was telling you how they might have a garage rock sound. That's what they kind of classify the Strokes as a typical garage band. that's probably one of the best parts of Spotify as they they added the genius lyrics where like they break down the lyrics of the song Apple Music does the same well I think Apple Music did the same I'm not for sh- I'm not sure but no Spotify do I think this is the song where I guess Julius Casablanca is talking about one of his um, ex-girlfriends where I guess he's trying to work it out with him well I guess she he's trying to work it out with her I should say someday I mean this kind of speaks for itself maybe someday they'll get back together Wait, hold on. I'm about to rewind this. Because they said something great. So it says here, I guess it's like one of a magazine quotes from Raphael told The Guardian. He says, describing the stroke sound, imagine you took a time machine into the future and found a classic album 
from way in the past and you really liked it. That's was the sound the Strokes wanted from this album and this whole t- yes. I can I I actually I actually couldn't agree more with that statement right there. It makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense why this album was well received as well. Good job, Strokes. Good job. And as you can see, a classic album was born. These guys look like they could party too. Like if you look at them, like if you type them up in the picture, like you know, just a, the average band playing in like a you know one of those halls. I I can see them, you know, being one of them typical. Well, we just go out, drink a few beers, work on our songs in the garage, and then boom. It says someday reach 17 on the alternative songs chart. And what does it say? This is it. Sold over 2 million copies worldwide. I mean, I can see why. It was a, come on now. Like I keep saying, it was a well-received album. So I see why I did what it did. But that was number seven with Someday. It's a lot of bangers on here. Like I said, I like seven out of the 11 tracks on this whole entire album. And to be honest, one, two, three, four, five, six. Six of them are on this list. And I just got through one. So, speaking of six, we're about to play number six right now. This is another one of my favorite bangers. I don't know why I have a number six, because I mean, it's just, it's a kind of a hard, hard, like I say, when choosing these songs and list and trying to list them in order is very hard because every song is just as equally good. And I kind of like, I look, I'll listen back to the episode and think to myself, damn, I could have easily just had this song a little slightly above the other. That's how I did with the Valentine's Day episode I did. For some of those songs, as I uh, listened over and over to the episode, I just thought to myself, well, some of these songs I could have left out. Some of these songs I could have probably jumped a little higher up, but it is what it is. That's how it is with music, you know what I'm saying? You can never really specifically get it all the way right. But like I said, that's just the way music goes. But this will be my number six song. I like the way it comes in call it the modern age rightfully so One good thing about rock songs like this, it never hurts to have a instrumental and open up the song. I think that's really uh, I really grabs the attention when you have the instrumental open up the song for maybe like what 39 seconds in. Now you got the listener on his seat waiting for what could possibly be the start of a big run into the whole entire song. 
So all you gotta do is just flow all the way through, and then boom, you have a masterpiece of a song. A lot of people don't really catch that, but I, I be catching that sometimes. If I, whenever I listen to a song where the instrumental takes forever to start, well, the instrumental starts off and takes forever for the artist to come straight in and start spinning or start singing, that's how I know it's going to be golden. That's how I know it's going to be a hit. And this is kind of, honestly, in my opinion, one of the most slept on songs on the album. But let's continue. This is my favorite part, by the way. have a little guitar switch up in the song too as well yep. like well it just came to my it, it just came to me too is like yeah if you I'm pretty sure when you was growing up somebody at least was playing guitar hero or rock band back in the day. A lot of these songs from the Strokes would probably be on Guitar Rock Band. Just imagine yourself just like, you know, just destroying Guitar Hero off of like Hard to Explain or The Modern Age. They got a lot of songs on here probably on Guitar Hero and, and Rock Band. That was pretty dope. But, you know, that's just, that's just the nature of who the Strokes were. They make them classic garage bangers. I know I always wanted to be in a well no nah, I lie. I can't even I can't see I always wanted to be. But I could picture myself if I really, 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 really wanted to be well if that was the route I wanted to take, I could see myself I could see myself being in a rock band in a garage, just you and your buddies just starting just you know, everybody can play at least one good instrument that they can do real well. Y'all just start a band off and then y'all go to y'all schools what school talent show practice what you've always been trying to do in your garage into the actual stage and then boom you get discovered and boom you made it you know that's kind of typically how it all works out you know but it depends on what route you want to take but nevertheless that was I went through 10 through 6 and even the honorable mention of some of my favorite stroke songs and I probably I did put these in order like I said, I mean, I might regret some of the orders I did because I'm probably, after the show, go to sleep and be like, damn, I should put such and such number one, but that's just how it is. So when I come back, 
we go run number five all the way up to the number one of my favorite uh, number one favorite stroke song by yours truly and we're gonna take it out from there so i'll be right back all right we are back we're about to go from five all the way down to number one but let me recap it in case you guys didn't well forgot about it at the door by the strokes was my honorable mention call me back was number 10 machu pichu i'm gonna still call him machu pichu i think that's the name of it if not comment on the actual pronunciation and i'll just be like oh thanks uh that was number nine life is simple in the moonlight number eight someday number seven in the modern age number six number five is the song that i actually got put on to by the strokes it's like a long time ago i was playing i had a little xbox group this is when we had the xbox 360 group and i had a few friends that actually were big in the alternative and he recommended this song that everybody listened to. Everybody kind of just, it went in one ear out the other. But you know me, I like being put on to different songs. So, like, well, as a, this is a good time to say this. So, for all you guys out there, you know who I am. If, if it's a song or some people out there that you know are good, who are great, who think who you think would be perfect for me to listen to, you think I would like a lot, just just let me know. Either hit me up on my social media accounts. Just be like, hey, Derek, check this guy out. I fuck with him. I'll fuck around, put on a show, and shout you out. You know what I'm saying? Just let me know. Put me on some music I never listened to before. So, basically, one of my friends put me on to this song, and this happens to be number five. It's called Soma or Sama. I'm going to go with Soma. Soma, yeah. Let's go, let's go with that. Oh, there you go. I got it right. Soma. fine instrumentals in there as well too definitely towards the end it's called soma which i actually got it right for the first time he said as soon as the song dropped so i'm happy about that one score one for Derek. yes sir all right so that was yeah that was number five soma by the strokes uh shout out to my homie logan actually put me on in there one of my old um xbox friends that we used to like grind together in nascar 09 Oh, I remember them days. Yeah, we had a lot of good days on that Xbox 360. Whole bunch of league races, whole bunch of leagues, Madden, 2K, the whole nine. This when a motherfucker was just in high school, just living a high school life. Yeah, good times, good times. 
Uh, but let's keep the show going. Let's move on to the number four song. It is... This song actually has a message behind how it is. This song has a good message, too. It's called Taken for a Fool. And this is off of Angles. So as you can see, probably Angles and Is This Is probably the two, probably two of my favorite Stroke song albums. Two of my two favorite Stroke albums, clearly. They had a lot of bangers on Angles, and so does Is This Is It. Pretty much what this whole list is consisted of, besides at the door. But I still gotta listen to their new album that came out like last year. So here's what it is. That's a powerful message behind that. You get taken for a fool all the time. I don't know why. You're so gullible, but I don't mind. And yeah, it's... Oh, man. So, I think how I found out about this song... I actually watched the music video. It's very, very nice. A lot of fireworks in that bitch. A lot of fireworks. But uh, basically, with this song... I mean, I think I remember the situation like it was yesterday. It was this chick I was messing with. And... I mean, I thought she was feeling me, and little did she know, she only liked me for, what, my car. I, You know, I had money at the time. I was, you know, I was doing my little thing. I wasn't flashing, but, I mean, I wasn't, like, I wasn't down in the dirt, you feel me? I at least had something going, and I thought that she liked me for who I was, little did you know. She just liked the materialistic things I was doing for her. And I, that, that's kind of how I felt when the Strokes made the song. I was taken for a fool, you know? I've been taken for a fool quite some time, you know what I'm saying? See, I'm the type of person where, like, you could tell me the shit and tell me to don't do this, but I'm just for some reason too hard-headed, and I have to actually go through it physically or I have to actually be in a situation physically for me to get like, oh, okay, they was fucking right. Should never did in the first place. I gotta stop doing that. But like this song said, I was taken for a fool, man. I was, I was being dumb. My eyes are way, my eyes are, my eyes are open now though. Which I kind of, you know, now when I look back at it, I kind of, um, I kind of appreciate the situations that I went through in the past. Cause now the older I get. I move smarter and move wiser now to a point where I don't have to hesitate to know that's a bad idea or that's a don't go that route, Derek, you know what I'm saying? So at the strokes I can I, I get what you was coming at coming I get what you was going at with this song for taking for a fool. Cause I mean, yeah, it's it's pretty much self explanatory self explanatory. So Let's uh keep the song. Let's keep the 
list going. That was Ticket for a Fool at number, I want to say four. Yes, number four. All right, let's go to number three. Probably one of my favorite songs. I think this is probably one of the. I think this is one of the songs that I got put onto on his album when I was listening to Pandora a lot back in the day. Number three, hard to explain. This is probably my favorite part about to come through as you break it down. I'm telling you, the store got some bangers. They got some bangers. I ain't gonna lie. This song is kind of hard. I'm shit. This should have been at least in my top two, at least. Was this number four? I do have this number four. Ah, (laughs) kind of regret that because oh man, this song is a bop. It's definitely a bop. No, actually, this this is my number three. I want to say yeah, number three. So I mean, okay, it's 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 in the right place. Definitely in the right place. But it's the end for me. It's the ending of the song for me. It's hard to explain. Yep, definitely hard to explain. Coming to number three. You know, this is a song I can see on Tony Hawk's Underground. You remember the old Tony Hawk Underground games? Like Tony Hawk Underground, Tony Hawk Underground 2. It's not even, even not, fuck the Underground. It's like Tony Hawk American Wasteland, Proving Grounds. Any Tony Hawk game, I could see this song or some of these songs being on there. I'm surprised it might be. I don't think it is, but... Definitely, I can see this song on like Tony Hawk's Underground 2. 
or American Wasteland at least. I feel like the song fits some of the some of the type of story uh, lines that were in that game. Which, by the way, I'm kind of procrastinating, but I ended up buying Tony Hawk's Underground, Tony Hawk's American Wasteland. My ex- I bought an Xbox a long time ago, the regular Xbox, and I got Tony Hawk's American Wasteland. I told myself I was gonna beat that shit just for old time's sake, just to feel some nostalgia, but I just been slacking, but it's okay. One day I'll beat it. But let's get on to the number two song. It is Alone Together, which, I mean, like I said, the song speaks for itself. The name title speaks for itself as well. We'll all be alone together. This is, honestly, this is probably, out of all the songs, I, I know I keep saying it's a lot of songs, one of my favorite songs, but there's something about this song, the way it starts and the way it ends, the way it's structured, the song title itself, I mean, for a motherfucker who really don't mind being alone, don't get me wrong, I mean, I like having my peoples around me, but I think you you're at your best, I think we're alone. You think more of a creative ideas, which I know I do. I think of all creative ideas for this show when I'm alone, especially at this time of day or morning. I'm at my best. Like I said in my last show, I'm at my best around this type of night, morning, by myself. Like I creatively think of better things to do, so. pretty nice song right there I kind of slightly gave away my number one song slightly by the start of the instrumental but you gonna see that's this well like I have a lot of cuts on here it's it's, it's kind of like a, I don't know I like to have a clear cut favorite song off this particular album but it's kind of hard it's just too me it's like you know like my beautiful dark twisted fantasy is like 10 for 10 is like a great album. It's like, it's no misses at all. Or Pimple Butterflies, no misses. That's how I view the strokes. Now, I'm kind of tempted. What I probably might do is uh, after I end this show or episode, I'm going to go on the needle drop with Anthony Fantano and see if he has a review for this album. I highly doubt he don't. I highly doubt he do because his album came out well before he started his show. But I'm going to find some type of review, album review of this album. I know I can find it on YouTube. I know I can. And I just want to personally see if they feel the same type of viewpoints that I do. Hell, if you guys have the same viewpoints that I do over not only This Is It or just the strokes in general, just let me know. So I know I'm not the only one tripping, but 
sometimes there's artists that I put on you guys that you may not see or it might take a while for you to get used to. That's just the way music is. I mean, when somebody puts you on new music, you hesitate to be like, do I really want to listen to this shit? But if you sit down and give it a... Like, that's what I do with some of these songs. Even some of these, like, genres we know got now, like, this mumble rap shit that's going on in the world. A lot of these mumble, rap, mumble rappers, a lot of people like to tell me to listen to. We're like, what the fuck is this? But with me, I don't, I'll listen to it, you know? I ain't gonna hesitate. If you tell me it's good, I'm gonna see for myself if it's good. Now I'm gonna just be like, yeah, it's not the best, or it's kind of trash. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm all about taking risks when it comes to music. That's what you gotta be. Shit, they take risks putting this shit out, so you might as well take risks and listen to it to see if it's good or not. I'm not gonna just cancel it just because the artist is just trash, or you just, you know, his gimmick is terrible. Sometimes the music overrides the gimmick. You can have a shitty gimmick that makes good songs. Never judge a book by its cover. But before I get into my number one video, I mean, not number one video, but number one song by The Strokes and close out the episode, because it's almost about that time, I'm going to just recap the songs that I've played so far. My honorable mention was At The Door. Number 10 was Call Me Back. Number 9 was Machu Picchu. Number 8 was Life Is Simple in the Moonlight. Number 7 was Someday. Number 6 was The Modern Age. Number 5 was Soma. Number four was hard to explain. Number three was alone together. No, no, I lied, I lied, I lied. Number five was Soma. Number four was take it, Taken for a Fool. Number three was Hard to Explain. And number two was Alone Together. So call me back, Pachu Pachu. Life is simple in the moonlight, someday. Yeah, okay. Okay, we on the right track. My bad. My bad. My whole list is fucked up because I switched shit in and out. So call me back, Machu Picchu. Life is simple in the moonlight. Someday, the modern age, Soma, taken for a fool, hard to explain, alone together. So the number one song, which probably I keep saying, I have a lot of favorite songs. But in order for this to be my favorite song, it's the reason why I put it number one. I just, I sing it from beginning to end. I sing it a lot in the shower. I sing it on my way to work. I sing it damn near everywhere. God knows anything I'm doing, I'm singing it. So it's a clear number one. So we go let the song ride out. And before I play it, Uh, I want to shout out to all my followers for, you know, supporting your boy. Appreciate it. I do it for you guys. Um, you know, I'm going to keep dropping more content. I got a lot of creative ideas. I got a lot of concepts for some episodes to come soon. Definitely going to, I have been leading up some of my people. I got to check on my people, see where they are. Get them from back from the dead. Get them on the show, you know what I'm saying? Get new people on the show. Spread some Spread some miles to new artists out here you might not know or are familiar with, you know. So just just working, just trying to get better and better. That's the goal. And uh, yeah, just just keep um, looking out for more episodes of Moody's Point. So uh, we shall end Moody's Point with the number one song. My personal number one song from the Strokes. 
take it or leave it or take it or leave it a take it or leave it or take it or leave i said just take it or leave it or take it or leave it there you go number one is take it or leave it Take it or leave it or 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 take it. I guarantee you, if this was on Guitar Hero, I would not miss a single note. Guaranteed. And the music video is definitely pretty dope too. Check out the music video if you never checked it out. So what you guys about to be in store for is probably one of the one of my favorite guitar instrumentals. I'm about to go in. Makes me want to go out and actually buy a guitar from Guitar Center. As the song is coming to an end, I want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, this has been another, another great episode of Moody's Point. Catch your boy later. About to drop some more heat coming soon. Just support the guys, man. Support your boy. Appreciate you guys. Moody out.